Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Patrick, I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing really well. How you been? Uh, just peachy keen. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry just woke up from a nap, so we're trying to get him uh, juiced up and ready to go for the episode today, guys. Yeah, literal juice is being injected into my <laughs> veins. <laughs> Straight OJ. Uh, so I heard you were uh, jamming that uh, that ninjas deck on Magic Online last week. How'd that go? I was, I was, I still am. Decks, uh, decks a ton of fun. I just, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't get that that uh, mysterious five zero lately, but mm. I've been getting the three twos and the four ones. So I mean, the deck definitely has legs. That's awesome. It uh, it just has some awkward hands sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you're staring down at hooting mandrills, and all you have is a fatal push. Ah, yeah, that's not so great. Yeah, not so great. Lot- well, is it just blue black? Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, the version I'm running is just blue black. Okay. Could you run, like, Murderous Cut or something like that? To... It runs a Singleton Murderous Cut. Oh, okay. Right. But, you know, the problem with Singleton's, Pat, you don't right. know, you don't always get them. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. I always get my Singletons. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was able to Murderous Cut a Grizzlebrand, though. That was pretty awesome. Oh, how did that feel? Did you, were you, did you cry a little bit? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it like... Uh, it was you know that meme of like the guy holding up the gun and just like the tears running down his cheeks like that's, yeah that's what it felt like I'm just oh jeez like, it's like I don't I don't want to do this <laughs> I'm sorry boy I'm sorry boy <laughs> oh that's tragic tragic uh, but I did it oh I 100 percent pulled yeah yeah well, you, you got you can't just that guy that's a crazy car it should be illegal it's insane <laughs> murderous cut yeah I agree too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's get into our show this week. We don't have anything really thing to to catch up on, and uh, as far as housekeeping goes, so uh, a few weeks ago, I had asked on the Facebook page, you know, I want to do a few deep dives in the podcast because we're getting into a point right now where you know there's not a ton of obviously very little to no magic paper being you know paper magic being played, especially none in like a large tournament form, and uh, the deck dumps and all that stuff is only you know so interesting to talk about every week, so. Uh, you know, like I said, we put a post about doing some deep dives and this was the one out of all the ones that were suggested and we're going to go through a few of them and, uh, you know, uh, in the coming weeks, but this is the one that when it was suggested, uh, got me really excited. So I'm really excited to, to introduce our guest this week, Connor Haley. What's going on, Connor? Gentlemen, it is great to be here. It's, it's great to have you. Connor's been, uh, Connor's been a big part of the podcast, actually. Uh, anytime we've needed, like, the tokens, all the, uh, we got the artwork done, and Connor was nice enough to do all the border stuff for the tokens, whatever, and uh, he's helped us out with a few projects, actually, so he's been, a, he's been an integral part of the podcast for a long time. Me- meme master, also oh, meme. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Like, yes. Another crown for me to wear. <laughs> uh, though, I don't know. Jasper has been uh, stepping on your toes, and now the World Gorge of Dragon Boys, they're, they're also crowding that uh that platform so you got to step up your game that is very true and uh, i definitely respect the meme game from everyone who brings it to leaving a legacy because that's what really makes the community for me just like all these great <laughs> jokes that you can bring in but uh, what i can say yes. of jasper is like i'm more of a 
a quality over a quantity sort of <laughs> memer, like and posting like different words over the same picture of Jerry's face week in week out. Not 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 my cup of meme game, but I respect the game. Calling him out. Calling him out. He definitely has a format he likes to stick to. I think he must stick to that format, actually. He might have he might have had no creative outlet until he was exposed to that picture in his life. So you know, he's really clung on to that thing. Thinking back, I've actually uh sort of thinking back to all the memes that I've generated for leaving a legacy. One I think my first like magic meme that I made was for the caption contest for like the Christmas one. (laughs) A handful of years ago, where I put Jerry's face on a picture of Santa with a bunch of crying children around him. <laughs> I'm glad I was the inspiration for your first meme, first magic meme. You must have won that, right? I did win it. I won yeah, um, okay. a set of the Hascon promos. Oh, nice. Like the, That's... the Nerf War and the, the Transformers like, theme cards. That was like 2017. Yeah, that was that long ago? Oh my mm. gosh. That's wild. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, Jerry and I got to go to Hascon as quote unquote influencers. I don't know how that happened, but it was awesome. We got to hang out with all the Wizards people, and uh, it was a good time. We got Hascon was way cooler than I thought it would be. So, crack some iconic masters, first person people to do that. Yeah, yep, that was fun. Before I was, that was spoiled. Fun. Too bad uh, Hasbro decided it wasn't worth it, and they just decided not to ever do another Hascon ever again. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they were going to do one every two years or whatever, but I don't know if there was one planned for this year. But obviously, that's not going to happen. <laughs> No, there was, it was supposed to be last year because like every it was 2017 and then it was supposed to be 2019. But the thing gotcha. about committing to something every two years, Pat, is if you just don't do it, no one remembers. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't do it the year after, and then everyone's like, "Oh, what? About, oh, it's every two years." And I'm like, yep. oh, "Okay." And then another year goes by, and you don't do it, and everyone forgets by then. Because yeah, it was it was a shame because it was like it was a pretty fun event. I don't, did you get to go to that Connor and, and check it out? I didn't. No, okay. um, I I try to make it to PAX every year. But uh, that, that's as kind of far as I go, and when it comes to like gaming conventions, yep, yeah, I haven't. Uh, yeah, it's it's it was. I think that's the only like outside of like opens and stuff and going to to grand prix. That's the only like convention I've ever been to, and it was pretty. It was pretty fun. It was cool to see. So, I, I hope they bring it back. If Hasbro listens to this, which I'm sure they don't, uh, bring back Hascon. It was <laughs> awesome. Now they'll I, hear us if we shout loud enough. You'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it was a huge success. I just feel like. It came around and like no one at Hasbro wanted to organize it, and so it's got to be a ton of work to do something like that, especially if it's one. There's one company that's on uh, that's the umbrella for all the stuff that's there. That, that is what I have learned about the business world as I get older. Pat is it doesn't matter the size of the company; there are just projects that no one wants to do, and so they just don't get done. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, yep. you guys got Gavin on retainer, so why not just like get him on the horn and like pull his chain to like get that event rolling again? I asked him. I asked him. He said it was above his pay grade. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I guess being a designer at Watsi does not give you a bunch of insight or power into the workings of Hasbro the parent company which i think is completely backwards i think i think watsy should be running the show but you know just just my opinion uh so connor so connor your suggestion was basically to come on and do like a reverse like uh, basically flip the script on our episodes right so we always have great guests come on and we ask them all the questions and we engage them in, in discussion about magic and it, kind of where they came from in the game and stuff like that and uh your your suggestion was to so you did you did some reporting uh, in college and high school i think you had said and you want to kind of use those skills and and flip the script on jerry and i and, and ask us a bunch of questions put us in the hot spot mm, yeah we're, we're parting the kimono tonight Oh, we're part of the, the leaving a legacy kimono. I'm sure that's going to come next with the sweatshirts. You're going to get like embroidered kimonos. But yeah, is, I wanted to. Um... Is this a euphemism that I don't understand? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, you ever listen to that? It's not really like a Herku Poro thing, but it's like there was a kimono in one of his stories. But uh, 
uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, sort of put the spotlight on the hosts of the Liam Legacy podcast because you guys, like like Pat said, you guys bring on guests like um, pretty frequently, like week in, week out, and you talk to them about legacy, you talk to them about life, but no one really hears about you guys unless we're kind of like joking about like what the heck is like Jerry doing with ninjas or like mm-hmm. what, what what's sort of what's Pat doing with home improvement or whatever. <laughs> and you don't really get that unless you guys are on another podcast like guest guesting over there. Like I know like Pat you said you were on like dead format recently on an anniversary yep. episode. Yep. Which I would like to point out I still haven't been invited on the dead format. I just want to I just want to lay that out they, there. They only bring on good guests, Jerry. Oh, that explains <laughs> that explains it. You know, <laughs> so I've I've prepared a little bit of a, sort of an interview, reverse interview for the the host of League of the Legacy, um, sort of um, a, about like what what sort of makes you guys tick in terms of legacy, what um, sort of like what w- w- we can kind of go back in terms of the show's history, sort of like how, how did it happen and all. So I mm-hmm. I've, I've prepared a big big long list of questions for you guys, and I would love to uh, sort of jump into that because um, maybe, maybe people who are starting to listen now. They don't really know what how Leaving Legacy came to be. Like, mm-hmm. uh, why is Jerry? Why are we listening to Jerry and Pat? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great because I think I think a lot of the questions is something that we that we may have talked about, you know, in passing. But it's been, you know, we've been doing this for almost 300 episodes now, so there, these have never been all answered in one space where someone could go and like, hey, if you want an introduction to the podcast or find out about the history of the podcast, this is the place to do it. So this is, I'm really excited for this. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped actually. We're gonna populate the Leaving a Legacy wiki, pa- wiki fan page <laughs> in just one episode. All, all of those people who like, who like run the Tumblr, run the, the whatever else, they're gonna have a bit material to the end of time by the end of this episode. On our wiki page, there's not a lot of like actual writing, but there's just a ton of memes, and it's all Jerry's. <laughs> we have a wiki page? <laughs> yes, Jerry, you can find it. Just Google it. <laughs> okay. All right, I will. <laughs> all right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, Connor, uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for doing this. I'm super excited, and, and uh, yeah, we'll let you take over the show from here. Of course, of course. All right. So, let's start off with um, sort of show history category. Um, and I don't even know like the full story of this, so I'm I'm sort of glad to be sitting in this seat too. So, um, so Pat and Jerry, uh, what do you know to be like the origins of the podcast itself? How did it start? So this is the question Jerry's gonna have to answer because uh, I was I did not come on for the first thirty two or so episodes. I think my first episode was thirty two or thirty three, thirty four, somewhere in there. So Jerry actually is gonna have all the insight into this. So I want to let Jerry take this one. I uh I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, fifth. <laughs> uh so only the oldest realist listeners remember that there was a, a third host of the podcast. Really the first host, right? Yeah, it was his idea to start it all. Adrian Tinfin's aficionado. Yes. Uh was the original host and he was he me and him. Uh, would play at FNM together. Actually, it wasn't even FNM. It was Sunday Legacy. So Sunday at noon at That's Entertainment in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, which was down the street from the college I was attending at the time. Uh, and he just one day was like, you know, I'm thinking about just starting this podcast thing to see, you know, what what people want to listen to. And I don't think anyone's going to listen to it, but there isn't any legacy podcasts out there right now. Uh, I think like um, 
what is it? Uh, Everyday Eternal was was like somewhat recording, but they maybe came out with an episode once a month. There just wasn't really a podcast for legacy players. And uh, at the time, the some of the first wave of magic podcasts like the A Team and uh, Heavy Meta, uh, both great great shows uh, back in the day, were kind of our inspiration. And we decided to kind of make a legacy podcast from there. So just started with us just kind of recording and talking to each other, and it just, just grew from there. I do want to add, I as far as influences goes, I, I, do, I remember him, I remember Adrian specifically talking a lot about the show Crazy Talk. Yes, Crazy Talk. That's Crazy Talk. No, it's true. No, I know. That's my brother, Crazy Talk. We're all a little worried about him. Which was, which was, uh, it was, I think it was John Medina. Yep, and Frankie. Yes. So Crazy Talk was another inspiration. So Crazy Talk was uh, uh, had half of the A Team, which is a Canadian podcast about magic, more focused on standard. And Crazy Talk was their legacy spinoff that I think only lasted for like twelve or fifteen episodes. It wasn't many, and I remember going back um, and listening to the episodes, and they were all about uh, playing uh, High Tide. <laughs> and they were talking about everyone's talking about picking up their candelabras and it was just like so far removed from where legacy was when i was playing but it was a fascinating look into uh the legacy metagame from years back so that was pretty cool well that's like if you go back and listen to the first like 30 episodes of uh leaving a legacy uh the first 30 episodes of leaving a legacy are about tin fins <laughs> i was just gonna point out is there some sort of correlation we're seeing here where only the combo players are starting legacy podcasts are they the only ones crazy enough it's more just that uh you know our higher brain functions are so developed that we need other creative outlooks besides our very difficult combo decks i got you got you it'll let out the valve a little bit let it let mm-hmm. the creativity flow yeah, so just uh, just following up, looking at Crazy Talk, it looks like the first episode was March third of twenty eleven, and they went twenty five episodes and or twenty yeah twenty five episodes, and the last episode was uh, November 29th of the same year. Yep. Just as, yeah, just that's kind of the the snapshot was two thousand eleven like the year of two thousand eleven legacy that you got right. out of that. And leaving a legacy started, I think, in like March of twenty fourteen. I know it was twenty fourteen. I, I feel it was March was the first episodes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, it, yeah. I think I think you're right, Jerry. I know it started in two thousand fourteen, and I think I think it was right around March, actually. Yeah. Mm, back when the Tin Fins Variety Hour came on each week, we could talk about <laughs> Tin Fins at F and M. Yeah, and so the the I remember the original show, Jerry, was very loose. It was very it's super loose. You guys had some like great guests on even early on. Like you had Bob Wong on. I think it was the maybe episode five. You had Bob Wong on. Um, yeah, Bob Wong came on because he wasn't anyone yet. Like right, Bob Wong was just, was just he was just, he was just the guy who played at our local F and M for Legacy. Yeah. So you're like, oh, you seem like a smart dude. You want to come on the podcast? And then yeah. you know, years later, he would start top eighting GPs and you know taking down SEG events and yeah. being the first person to break Treasure Cruise. The Legacy, like the Legacy Dad, right? So and and. The episodes were super long. I remember that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Adrian. Adrian is a guy who, like, he is a man of many interests. Um, no topic is off, you know, is uh, off. Uh, uh, what's the word? Off, you know. Off no topic is. Yeah. Like, there's, there is definitely, t- like, episode, like, 32 or something of Leaving a Legacy. The entire episode is about, like, the best cell phone co- coverage <laughs> providers in Massachusetts. <laughs> 
like nothing to do with magic at yeah, all. <laughs> the episodes were like two or three hours a piece, and I remember at one point, like I was early on, I was like, "We got to, we got to limit these episodes, man. This is too much. I can't keep recording until midnight every Monday. It's it's crazy." Yeah, was it was it a weekly show even back then? With uh, yeah. like three hour shows, apparently. Yeah, weekly three hour shows. <laughs> yes. Oof. <laughs> Clearly, I was still in college at the time. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't realize you were still in college when the show started, Jerry. No, I don't think I was actually. I think it was like I, had ju- yeah, I had just graduated because I graduated. Oh no, I hadn't just graduated. I graduated in 2012, and we started in 2014. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like two hour, two years after you graduate, you're still not a real person yet. So. <laughs> no, I can definitely confirm this. This is true in 2020 <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, like to, I still hadn't adjusted my sleep schedule from college years yet. Yeah, you're eating chicken tendies still, like ramen noodles, <laughs> no, and you're I mean, recording through our podcast because you have the time. I'm eating chicken chicken tendies and ramen noodles now. <laughs> there you go. It's a one-two punch. <laughs> Gotta get my tendies. Great. So we have the uh, the origin story sort of la- la- uh, laid out in front of us. So, um, how did um, Jerry and Patrick come to know each other? Uh, Our- Pat Pat met us at a uh, a diner wanting to sell a refrigerator. <laughs> so, no, so, so what happened was, um, so I had so my uh, all right. So I came back into magic in uh, right when Born of the Gods released. So I think that was. 2013 maybe yeah that's um, about when i started too so i remember yeah that. so so born of the gods had just been out for like a, a week or two and a friend of mine had been bugging me to like build like he was a big commander player and so uh i knew him through work and he's like hey come play commander with us and so i went there one time i didn't know what commander was so i just brought like a pre-constructed deck from like that from tempest or whatever uh and and just like was just like not super into the multiplayer aspect of commander because I just didn't like waiting for people to play. So long story short, ended up drafting at my my local game store, which at the time was TJ's Collectibles in uh, in Milford. Um, went there, drafted a few times, then started doing the F and M thing, and really enjoyed F and M. Like I thought it was a lot of fun. There was a ton of like great players there. Um, so I was playing F and M a lot, and then in um, uh, 2014, uh, my 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 youngest son was born, and that basically stopped me going to FNM because I just couldn't get the time with two kids then to go and play standard every week because I was playing lots of standard and I was doing pretty well. I couldn't couldn't get time to play standard every week and uh, and do all that stuff. And so I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time. Um, the Spike feed I mentioned actually the thing last week was the Spike feed was like the magic podcast I was really into, and they they talked about legacy a little bit. And because I was subscribed to MTG Cast, I also would get the Leaving a Legacy show. And I didn't really know anything about Legacy at the time, um, because again, I had come from playing, you know, in the late '90s, you know, mid to late '90s, playing like just kitchen table Magic, no official, you know, uh, formats. I didn't know about. I didn't know anything about that. It was just me and my best friend. We bought Magic cards at the store. Would buy packs, just make decks, and him and I would play together. I think we went to one formal tournament at a mall in Lincoln, Rhode Island and got just, com- I just remember getting crushed. I don't even remember what we played. I don't remember what I brought, um, but we just got crushed. And so we just stuck to kitchen table stuff. Um, so anyway, so I come across leaving a legacy, the the podcast and I'm like, all right, well let's learn about this format. And I remember the first thing was like, they were talking about legacy, like Jerry and Adrian seemed super approachable. Um, Puka trade was still like a big site at the time. And so I was like, well, I can take all my standard cards and turn them into, like, Legacy Burn, I guess, because I couldn't justify buying any Legacy cards at the time. Because this was, like, 2014. I'm like, man, Volcanic Island's, like, you know, $150, bucks, $180. Like, that's a lot. It seems like a lot of money for a Magic card. 
So I'm just going to build burn. And, um, and, uh, I remember talking to Adrian and Jerry and saying like, Hey, you know, I'm coming down to SCG Worcester. Um, I think it was June. And I'm like, I, I just built legacy burn. Like, are you guys gonna be around? I'd love to meet up with you and, and say hi. And Adrian and, and Jerry were both like, why don't you, we're going to come do breakfast at Miss Worcester, um, right outside the DCU center. I was like, they were like, why don't you come and, and have breakfast with us? So I'm like, all right. So I come and like, just like, I had never met these guys like in person, didn't know what they looked like. I had never played a game of legacy in my life. Like not even like, you know, at, at my house. And, uh, they were just nice enough to like, be like, yeah, come out, hang out with us. And, and that's what I did. I got to hang out with them. You know, we, we had breakfast together. We had a good time. At least I had a good time. I think, I think they had a good time. And, uh, and I got to meet Jerry and Adrian, which was pretty cool. And, uh, I just remember, you know, going to the event and like, I had a ton of fun at the open. I think I finished like, you know, four and five or something like that. Like I didn't have a great like showing, but for my first games of legacy, I was pretty proud of that, pretty proud of that effort and really just had, had an awesome time. And, um, and yeah, so that's how I, that's how I met Jerry and Adrian. That was the, the first time we met. And then obviously we had a lot of history after that. And I couldn't think of a more poetic way for Lima Legacy, as we know it now, to get started in the Miss Worcester Diner, which is <laughs> my one of my favorite restaurants in all of Worcester. I went to school in Worcester, mm-hmm. so I know I know a good thing about that, and uh, that, that's really fantastic. Yes, yep, it was awesome. Great. So um, we we know how you guys met now, and uh, uh, sort of what, how did what did um do we do we know like what what caused sort of Adrian to sort of back down from uh being a host on the podcast. So Adrian, uh, became a landlord, which ah. apparently takes up a lot of your time. Uh, but you know, Adrian sold out of his magic collection and bought an apartment building. Uh, and so he sold out of magic, bought this apartment building, started doing a bunch of remodeling stuff. And also, uh, I guess we kind of just, our vision of the podcast kind of split ways. Adrian very much wanted a, you know, weekly three hour podcast that no one actually listens to. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, Oh, we're actually getting kind of like a pretty solid listener base. Um, you know, we're getting offers from different websites to bring the podcast to their website. And Adrian very much wanted to be like on his own. Um, so ultimately what happened was, uh, hipsters of the coast approached us, said, Hey, we'll, you know, we'll host your show. Come on down. And Adrian said, Oh, they, they have advertisements on their website. So I, I'm not going to do the podcast if we're on their website. And he was already kind of just missing a bunch of episodes cause he was too busy. So we kind of just parted ways from there. Um, and that's when it kind of just spun off into just me and Pat doing our thing. Yeah. I remember, he was also very like, he had a tenuous, um, relationship with the game as well. Like he was always, I mean, I think even just like we we did like I don't know maybe like sixty episodes together something like that, and he uh, he was in like in and out like of the game like he would sell all his stuff and then start buying back into Merfolk or whatever and then sell his stuff again and he 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 was um, unlike me where like when I get legacy stuff I, I, I it's very hard to pry it out of my hands he was much more like this is like a liquid asset for me so I can invest and dis and deinvest whenever I whenever I like to. He um, bought he bought in and out of magic probably like three or four times over the course of like a single year. Mm, like mm. like buy several legacy decks, sell several <laughs> legacy decks to buy something else, some other hobby or collection or yep. something like that. S- sell that collection, buy back into magic, 
then sell out of magic again. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was definitely not like the most stable of relationships. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we we all know we all know players who are like on that like spectrum of like, oh, this is definitely sort of like a, a liquid asset, as you said, who like totally. to Pat being like, oh, I want to hold on to this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. That's all right. So um, Patrick and Jerry sort of like continued on, and uh, now we are at like approximately episode three hundred. What's the specific number? Do you guys know? So yeah, by the time. Uh, yeah, we're at two. This will be two ninety two actually when this releases. Ooh, excellent! It's wild. <laughs> so eight more, eight, eight more episodes until we just read the script of three hundred for uh, the oh. episode. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna have the painted on abs. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do dark shadow under our eyes and uh, all this yeah. vis- visual planning for a podcast, Pat. I don't think you know how podcasts work. Well, just... Con- Connor Connor had a great idea of releasing a video episode, so we might do that, Jerry. You might have to pony uh, okay. up and uh, and turn the webcam on for an episode. All right, sounds good. <laughs> exactly. So you guys have been doing this for a very long time, almost three three hundred episodes. Yep. Uh, what what do you what's your favorite part about having like a weekly podcast? And what would you say is the hardest part about it? Ooh, Jerry, what what you want to take this one first? I would say the hardest part is consistency, and that's actually something I really credit Adrian with. It was mm. Adrian's idea for. Despite him not wanting anyone to actually listen to the podcast, he had really good advice that in order for the podcast to be successful, it needed to be consistent. Yeah. And that's whenever someone asks me, it's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast or a YouTube video series or just whatever they want to do. The number one advice I'll give people is be consistent. Yep. Having a schedule and sticking to that schedule is the most important aspect with having a successful you know content creation page mm-hmm. um no doubt. so so adrian really instilled that early and it's it's true like i don't think we would be nearly as successful as we are if we you know came out with an episode whenever we felt like it yeah mm-hmm. I, I, also like another lesson i learned from adrian was like one of his things and i thought this was great was he so we were we would record on monday nights and then he would take he would have plenty of time to release the episode and he always wanted to release them on Monday mornings. So, or, 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 you know, late Sunday night or whatever. So people had a podcast to listen to going to work on Monday morning and probably on their drive home from Monday on Monday as well, because they were so long, but he was like, he very much wanted it to be a consistent thing that people could look forward to um, during their work week. And I thought that was such a, a, a great kind of uh, vibe to have. It wasn't, it, you know, he wanted to give, with the podcast. It wasn't necessarily just about, you know, feeding an ego or, you know, getting some kind of internet clout. It was, it really was about giving to the community and doing something positive for people. And, and I don't know about you, Jerry, but I remember getting vibes. Like if, if an episode was like a day late, people would ask like, Hey, what's going on with the episode? Is it coming out this week? Cause people really, because of the consistency of it being every week. And I could attest this cause I listen to it every week because there was a consistency every week and because it was always on a Monday, it was, it was just, it just became part of your routine. Right. And, and so, so that's one thing I want to credit Adrian with was like, yeah, part of the consistency was that's difficult, but it's a massive part of being a successful podcast. I think. Yeah. I mean that we're at the point. So I, I would say maybe like once a year we lose an, an episode to tech issues mm-hmm. or, you know, it doesn't happen often, but you know, when you have 300 episodes, it comes up. Uh, so maybe maybe like once a year we lose an episode, and now it's just to the point where 
if we lose an episode, I post on the Facebook page and make an announcement as soon as we know it's lost, because I know if we don't, I'm going to get a flood of messages and emails from people saying, where's the episode? Yeah. <laughs> and and what also just like on, on top of that, Jerry, because we because we, you know, we also try to re-record stuff if we possibly can, if we, you know, if we have an extra day to do it. Um, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And one of the nice things about being at almost 300 episodes now is that we have some like, quote unquote, evergreen style episodes that we've done. Um, that we're able to like repost on those days. So Jerry's always been like, "Hey, he'll dig through the archives and be like, "Hey, Pat, put give send over send this over to the hipsters. Have him post this episode. Like it's a rerun, but it's it's a classic or it's a, it's a good one. It's got a lot of good information. So, so I think even now we still try to follow that Adrian model of like, let's get something out there every week for people. We want to be a part of their week. We want to, you know, if if they're looking forward to this, we want it to be there for them when they when they open up their phone on uh on Mondays or or on Fridays now. But you know, make sure that they have something there. Yeah, we ended up switching to Fridays because we were kind of running into the problem where when we were we were like recording on Monday and then releasing the following Monday mm-hmm. and it just got to the point where the information was kind of stale. Like yeah. whenever we were talking about like spoilers or any news events like or even like tournaments, right? Like we'd release like an yeah. episode about a tournament and be like, hey, we're really looking forward to this open at, you know, or this this 1K at gaming, etc. But it would be like it would be by the time they listened to it, it was already over. You know, it was just like the the difference a weekend makes is huge mm-hmm. because it feels like it it didn't happen a couple of days ago. It feels like it happened last week. Mm-hmm. So like if we release on Friday and we're talking about the tournament from the previous weekend, it's still like that week. Whereas if we release on Monday, it feels like we're talking about stuff that happened two weekends ago. Right, exactly. It was two, it was two weekends ago. It was only it was only nine days, but it, but felt it feels like, long, like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it just feels longer yeah. that way. In this dy- dynamic new Magic 2019-2020 world where things change at the drop of a hat, you want to make sure you have the best and most quality information. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we, we got to get that 24-hour 20, news hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and as, as far as, like, my favorite part of doing this podcast every week, um, Jerry has become, like, one of my closest friends. Like, truly, even though we don't, like, we don't get a chance to hang out a lot because he's in Boston and I'm, like, you know, 45 minutes away and we both have our own thing going on, like... I mean, I've talked to Jerry for a lot over the last four years because, yeah, because I came on the podcast in 20, um, yeah, it must have been, maybe it was 2017 when I first came, maybe it's 2016, I can't remember, but. I think it was 20, I think it was 2016. Yeah, I think 20, you're right, 2016. 20, or, no, I think 2015. Yeah, it was it that, it's a little more earlier than you think because I remember you. Like, yeah, 20, it must be 2015, 2015 actually. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because, yeah, because it was 2014 when Luke was born, so yeah. But anyway, um, uh, so Jerry's become one of my like really like dearest closest friends. I talk to him, I talk to him pretty much every day, right? Like we have a Facebook group chat that we're in, um, and I talk to him every day on that. And then obviously every Monday we talk, and and yeah, it's it's, it's got to the point where we'll have multiple conversations at the same time. We'll have one conversation going in text message, one conversation going in Facebook Messenger, and then another conversation going in in fa- in uh, Discord. Yep. <laughs> All messages are just me and Pat, but we're talking about three different things simultaneously. Yes. We just, can I, yes. we can I get a different... DAW from the studio audience in the back, please? <laughs> keep, keep it to different subjects. You know, that way we just stay organized yep. for the different platforms. <laughs> yeah, nice. so um, that's been that's been a really uh, a great part of it is being able to talk to a guy I consider a close friend of mine. Um, you know, and just he is genuinely Je- Jerry is genuinely a very kind-hearted, like genuine person. And so, um, you know, it's it's great to have someone like that who you get to do this kind of work with, and um, you 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 do genuinely like the person. You know, it's not like we just happen to come on the podcast together, and 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 you know, we're like, hey, let, let's let's do this thing together. We we really 
um, it, I, I felt like I kind of got lucky getting on the podcast and, um, and, uh, yeah, just, just getting to work with Jerry has, has been really great. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. That's been, that's been, I think my favorite part about doing the podcast really. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, I mean, getting to know Pat so well, I've really been able to impersonate his identity and just open up all sorts of credit cards <laughs> in his name, like you know, his social security number, no, the street he grew up on <laughs> list of fears. So the secret benefits of leaving a legacy. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I have like five or six credit cards in Pat's name at this point. <laughs> I mean, I don't get the bills, so I'm fine. That's good. This is all information you pass off to the legacy intern. So he takes care of that and keeps everything to track of it. All of Patrick's alternative identities. Indeed. Indeed. All right, so uh, sort of like moving on to a more sort of color question about the uh, or about show history. Uh, you guys have a lot of running gags on the show, <laughs> and <laughs> be it like I don't know, like is a hot dog a sandwich, <laughs> like like ranting about the reserve list or whatever. Do you guys have uh, a favorite running gag from the show that always just kind of has you laughing, like if you're just thinking about it, like walking down the street or whatever? I, I definitely have one that comes to mind, and I think people people lambast me for it, but it is my idea about the reserve list and using, <laughs> oh, using no. a giant like uh, bingo machine to like pull ping pong balls out of to remove cars from the reserve list. I still think it's a perfectly great way of dealing with this issue that we have, um, but I, I it, it does crack me up every time every time someone brings it up or or I happen to hear about it, it, uh, it makes me laugh a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. I would say the number of people who still send me articles on how to properly care for and clean a cast iron pot. <laughs> yes, I, I wanted this to come up so bad. <laughs> oh, I, I still can't describe my absolute horror the day I walked into Jerry's apartment and saw, uh, like, I mean, it looked like it was just humid. That it day. was like it's it like was humid. You know how you see like, like those YouTube videos of like, oh, I found this old uh, musket buried in the sand. <laughs> Buried the sand for sixty years. I'm gonna restore it. It looks like Jerry had just like found this pan somewhere, and he was gonna make a YouTube video on restoring this old, disgusting pan. Really, I had cooked with it earlier that day. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually watching some like YouTube video on like how to cook a prime rib or something like that, and the chef goes like, "And this is my grandmother's cast iron pan. Mm-hmm. This cast iron pan is probably about a hundred years old." Mm. I'm like, "Damn, that looks way better than my, ca- my <laughs> cast iron pan." <laughs> Hell yeah. Those grandmas don't mess around, man. They know no, how to deal don't. with their cookware. They don't. Yeah. All right. Both both great, both good gags. <laughs> <laughs> both good bits. Great good bits. All right. So uh, I feel like that's enough on like show history. We definitely have like, that codified for the masses of new people. So now I want to move on to origins in magic. Mm-hmm. Specifically sort of centered on um, legacy because – I know a lot of people probably have similar sort of like origins and magic stories. Like, oh, my best friend like gave me their like precon deck and we played on the playground or something like that. But we're here for legacy. So I want to hear about your guys's like legacy origin story. Just sort of like m- moving forward. Like what what is the first LGS where you like played legacy? Like what got you into the format? And what, what's the first deck that you ever built? And why did you love it that much to build it? Yeah, I mean, so for me, I don't know if it's just because I got lucky, but when I started playing in the area I started playing in, Legacy was just the format everyone played. So when I started, there was only two formats. There was Type 1 and Type 2. Type Type 2 being standard, Type 1 being uh, vintage. And, like, we didn't own any of the power, so while we technically played Type 1, which is really Type 1.5, which is what Legacy would grow into... 
um, it was just kind of like the kitchen table side of magic that we played because type two was really only for tournament grinders. If you weren't a tournament grinder, you didn't really play type two that often. Um, and definitely legacy quote unquote type 1.5, uh, or even like unpowered type one was just the format of kitchen table magic. And that's what me and my friends played. Um, so that's really just, you know, what I played when I was, when I was learning how to play magic and, my first ever deck was uh, Bird Soldiers. I opened up uh, Brigandier Commander, which is a Onslaught Rare. Three white, white, white for, I think, like a 3-3 three, three flying creature. Damn. Say, that says all soldiers get plus one, plus one, and all birds get plus one, plus one. And so I took that and made a Bird Soldiers deck. <laughs> uh, so that was my first like deck that I ever put together. And it was terrible. It was terrible. And then one day I was uh, playing against a uh, person in the shop, Mr. Andy Yu. And he had this deck called Turbo Stasis. And he was just like running, running town with Turbo Stasis, beating everyone in the shop. And I'm just like, oh, that deck looks sweet. I really want to get that deck. So I ended up putting a turbo stasis together. So that was my first like competitive tournament uh, legacy deck, which was great because it enabled me to get force of wills in tropical islands uh, when tropical islands were $25 a piece. Bingo. <laughs> so yeah, I was, uh, I was happy about that. Thank you. Turbo stasis for getting my force of wills in uh, tropical islands. <laughs> hey man, I got that deep respect for turbo state for stasis itself. I'm uh, sitting below the, a print of Seb McKinnon's um, art of, of, of Stasis. So I <laughs> definitely love the card, played it casually a lot, and I just love the new art and the old art. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And to this day, Stasis is still my favorite art in all of Magic, the, uh, the, the OG one. <laughs> one day I'll get a beta Stasis, one day. <laughs> one day, and then you can, use, I don't know, like use Teferi to untap it. <laughs> I've sleeved up. I think probably I, I registered Stasis in a tournament back in probably like 2018. It wasn't that long ago. Stasis Stasis is just waiting to be broken wide open in Legacy people. That was with the um, the the green enchantment from um, Allegiances that untaps all lands. No, I was playing it with uh, Fate for Fate for Told Stasis. When, ah. So whenever Fate for Told was uh, spoiled and released, that was the last time I played Stasis. Because Fate for Told is it lets you put a counter on it each turn, and then on each turn you can play a card for free with counters less than or equal to the number of counters on Fate for Told. Oh, as for Told, yeah, or yeah. as for Told, as for Told, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I got you. Um, so yeah, and that plus like Ral's Eric was the last time I sleeved up Stasis. So Stasis will always have a special place in my heart because it's what allowed me to really get into Legacy uh, after the prices spiked because I already had these, you know, key components of the format that I was able to get for pretty cheap back in the day. Very nice. Uh, right, what yeah, you, what so, you got, Pat? Yeah, so, um, all right, so I, again, I came back to Magic in uh, early, like February of 2014. I had taken a long break from uh, playing the game. Basically, I put it away when I graduated high school and didn't pick it up again for, uh, I guess, like 11 years. Um, but still had all my old cards. But um, So I, I was playing, like I said, I was playing FMs, playing Standard. And then my son had been born at the end of the year in 2014. So Leaving Legacy was still a brand new show. Um, and I'm, I was looking for an outlet because I didn't really have anything to play. You know, I couldn't play FMs. I didn't have the time for 
trading cards and stuff uh, and keeping up with the rotations was just kind of like, especially with two young children, we were on a budget. So I'm like, well, let's get into something else. Um, and so again, because I, like I said, I had said earlier on the show, like Puka trade was a thing. So that was a huge boon. Um, and listening to the, the Leg- leaving legacy podcast, I'm like, well, why don't I just build burn? Like I, I, it's not super expensive. I can get the cards, you know, tra- I basically traded, a bunch of standard stuff that I had and some older cards I had in my own personal collection. Nothing that was like a legacy staple by any means, um, but just maybe some probably cards that were hot for Commander or whatever um, and traded up into into Burn. And that Burn was the first legacy deck that I built. Um, and I played it for that one event. Jerry knows I, I'm like, I'm notorious for building legacy decks, playing them once and being like, eh. <laughs> like, and then like, and then getting out of them. Um, so I played Burn in, in, for one event. And uh, I really liked playing Legacy. Maybe not necessarily the, the Burn deck, but I liked Legacy. And I liked aggressive strategies. And I asked Jerry and AJ, I'm like, what should I build? Like, what do you think is the next step for me to build? Like, I, I like this deck, but I want something that has a little bit more... Because um, I had lost to a couple combo decks and whatever, and sometimes that's just how that goes. And like, well, why don't you try Blue Red Delver? Which was a very good deck at the time. Uh, I think Treasure Cruise had just been banned, but Dig Through Time was... Oh, actually... Hmm... Yeah, I think Treasure Cruise was still had been just been banned, but but Take Through Time was legal, I believe. Um, and so I built I built Blue Red Delver, and like I started off with, <clears throat> I got one Tropical Island from this cool guy Tony, who actually, Jerry, do you remember way back in the show when we used to do the bulk? We used to do the bulk donations and send it off to charity. Uh, Tony was the guy yeah. who'd buy, you know, people were were buying like you know a thousand for like five dollars, and he was like giving us i think like eight or ten dollars for a thousand he was we told him like hey we're doing this for charity he's like all right well i'll up my bulk buying for you guys and so he bought a bunch of bulk from us so just want to give him a shout out he's still around in uh in uxbridge and um and yeah so uh anyway I, i was able to uh to build my stuff with that and he ended up having a i told him i was looking for a volcanic island that's why i brought him up and and tony was like hey i just had a customer bring one in He's like, you can, if you have 180 cash, I'll, he's like, I'll, I'll take, you can take it off my hands. And so that was the first like real legacy card I remember I, I bought, right? Because I had traded into my Force of Wills, but I bought a Volcanic Island. And then I just played a couple. Jerry's like, hey, play a couple Steam Vents, like whatever. It'll get you into the format. And so that was the first real legacy. I mean, I I guess Burn was my first legacy deck, but Blue Red Delver was my first real legacy deck that I built that I was really, really excited to play. And uh, quite frankly, haven't haven't really moved away from it. I played other decks, but... But I, I got lucky, you know, Jerry and Adrian definitely steered me in the right direction because Blue Red Delver is a passion of mine for sure. You've definitely stayed on brand for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Despite having like, you know, despite owning cities uh, multiple times, like places to cities multiple times and selling them multiple times, I still have like a, uh, a at least two, I have two underground seas and I've owned all the other duels and like just Jerry, I just remember Jerry just shaking his head and like how many times I sold and bought into and sold out of decks. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, Blue Red Delver is my, my first real legacy deck, I would say. Nice. Yeah. You you never forget your first, like mm. you're the first like legacy card that like you get, you know, you know, like, like I'm definitely like sort of like getting into this deck yes. now and I'm, I'm like exhilarated to do so. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep, that first time I got the volcanic island was very exciting. Did you guys have any um, like player mentors of the game that you uh, like watched as you were sort of like getting into like the formats? It doesn't have to be legacy or sort of anything that you uh, sort of like 
maybe not not like looked up up to, but um, that definitely sort of kept kept your eye on more than the others. I I had a few, so like I, I it was interesting for me because when I first started playing Magic again, um, because I didn't have a lot of friends who played Magic, right? Like I had you know I didn't have like. I went to the game store, but I was a complete stranger to everyone there for a long time, you know, for, for the most part. Um, and so, so for me, magic podcasts were a way that I like felt like I was connected to the game. And so I started listening to magic, the amateuring for a while. Um, and then, uh, also the spike feed, those are the two podcasts I got into. So Cameron and Curtis from the spike feed are two people that I really have always been a big fan of. And, uh, they talked about legacy quite a bit. So I like those guys as, as, as personalities in the, in the, uh, format, and then um, also like Patrick Chapin was like one of the first players who um, I got a lot of deck ideas from. Uh, he had a great podcast. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it was. Top top level maybe. Like yeah, yeah, I listened to that podcast too. Yeah, so I used I, I remember getting a, a sick red white aggro build for standard from that from them, and I built it and and I top aided like a little like a little IQ up in up outside of Framingham. Um, you know, having never played the deck before. So those, I guess those would be the two, the, 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 the three people that I would say I looked really to when it came to legacy. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. For me, um, it was definitely Josh Sissio who was the, uh, kind of quote unquote end boss of our FNM. Um, probably not a name most people recognize now. He doesn't really play magic as much anymore. Um, cause he joined the army and, or I'm sorry, the air force. And didn't really get a, a lot of time to play, so um, not the most well-known name. But anyone who was like really into the legacy scene and grinding legacy uh, back in you know twenty, basically from twenty twelve to twenty eighteen, would definitely recognize the name. Um, he's just a really really good player, um, really calm, cool, collected, and someone that I learned a lot about from. Um, you know, I definitely credit Josh with uh, taking my you know knowledge of the game to the next level. Um, you know. When I came back to Legacy, because I had taken a little break when I went to college, I came back and I was playing Reanimator, and I didn't have Entombs, so I was playing Buried Alive instead of Entombs. <laughs> so like that was the level I was at, and then uh, Josh was kind of the end boss at the uh, the LGS, and you know I just remember looking up to him a lot and, and him teaching me a lot about the game. I remember when I first met him, we sat down to play each other at like one of the first. Uh, FMs for Legacy that I went to, and uh, I sit down and like we open our opening hands and he goes yeah i'm gonna mulligan I, I can't be reanimator with this hand and i'm just like how did he know how, how did he know that i was on reanimator <laughs> and, then, and then after the game he goes yeah it's it's a small store like i like <laughs> you just yeah we're good we're Word gets, gets round <laughs> <laughs> but uh i i thought he was a total jedi jedi mind tricking me when uh we first uh first met <laughs> There you go. So it's always good to have like someone to aspire to, like as you are leveling up in the game. Mm. Great. So um, earlier, Jerry, you had mentioned um, like Avon Brigadier as like one of your sort of like favorite like earlier cards. Um, so J- Jerry and Pat, do you guys have cards that sort of defined your like magic identity when you were early in the game? And would you say that like that that card has sort of like changed like now? Yeah, so so people definitely know me as like uh, you know when we send out thank you cards, I send out copies of Charging Badger. Uh, Ooh, good the one. First, the first standard deck. I, so I can't say that anything defined me as a player prior to 2014 when I came back because just because it was kitchen table magic and like 
it was just me and my buddy playing a bunch of pre-con decks and like and just making them worse by adding cards to them basically um so charging badger was a, a deck that uh it was a monogreen devotion deck i i i saw uh todd and uh, todd anderson playing i think it was um and uh i just fell in love with monogreen devotion and i, I jammed that deck for a long time uh charging badgers didn't always make the cut unfortunately but that was one of the cards i was like man this card's so cool like it's it's a one one it doesn't care it has trample it's so it's so funny uh so i was making like monogreen devotion decks and actually like did pretty well with them like on an fnm level like did okay a couple star cities um playing st- playing standard in that in that time frame um but i really liked that card so yeah charging badger was like my favorite card to play uh at the time and then but really when i when i graduated to legacy and started playing legacy i think the card that still i really really like to play and i don't get to play it as often now is monastery swift spear um i really liked the prowess build of blue red delver it was probably when i was best with the deck um i've had the most fun playing price of progress with that deck and just swift spear is a card like the the art i always really like the art i got a Play, I don't really buy playmats, but I bought a playmat of that and had it signed by Steve Argyle in uh, in Vegas. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would say it went, went from Charging Badger to Monastery Swift Spear, and that. But I mean that that is like the evolution of like a player <laughs> who like likes big green creatures to a player who likes likes more fast, efficient, uh, <laughs> efficient legacy creatures. Uh, well, here's still, the thing: it's all it's all one drops. Exactly. Yeah, so- but still, still very much <laughs> so- on the aggressive side. So yeah, I, I graduated, but but didn't change my colors too much. Excellent. Uh, for me, definitely my first, like I divine my uh, magic career in kind of two stages. Cause I, which is funny. Cause now the second stage is just way longer than the first stage. Like, so my first, <laughs> my first stage of magic was basically onslaught block to Kamigawa block. And that's when I was in high school and definitely stasis was my defining card during that, you know, four year period. So I was very much a stasis player. Then I kind of took a break from magic when I went off to college and then either like junior or senior year of college, I came back and new Phyrexia had just been released. And uh, I had all the pieces. Well, not all the pieces. I was, as I said, I was missing in tombs, but I had most of the pieces. I had the underground seas and stuff like that to play reanimator. So I put reanimator together because this new card called Jin Gitaxis had just been printed in new Phyrexia. Uh, and Jin Gitaxis was great. However, his time in the sun was very, very short, less than a year because, uh, about a year later, Avacyn restored came out and Grizzlebrand was printed and Grizzlebrand definitely pushed Jin Gitaxis out of the spotlight, took it all for himself <laughs> P- pushed it just like 300 yeah. kicked it off the cliff <laughs> full, on, full on just boot to the chest get a jinga taxis out of the spotlight yeah. so grizzlebrand became my new favorite and then from there it uh it, i went from reanimator to sneak and show and now i would say probably the card that gets most often associated with me is show and tell yeah yeah no doubt i remember um winning a raffle from you guys and it was um one of the original like Urza's uh, show and tell. And I'm like, yep, yeah, but this, this came from the binder <laughs> <of> Jeremy. <laughs> nice. All right. So um, I feel like that concludes the origins of magic uh, category. So we can move on to the next one, which is uh, frequently many magic players do is they travel for magic. They go all over the country, all over the world. Do you guys have um, a favorite place that magic has ever taken you? Uh, yeah. You want me to go first, Jerry? So my first big outing for Magic uh, was going to GP Columbus in 2016. So again, it was 
I had to get a bunch of wife equity to make that trip because, again, we still had two we had young kids. Uh, my wife was not super hot on me traveling for at least another year after I got back from that trip. Uh, but GP Columbus uh, in 2016 was the first legacy outing that I went to, um, and the, the, like the first big legacy event that I went to. And it was uh, just a ton of fun and really cemented my love for the format, the people who play the format, but also just like traveling with my friends <clears throat> it was the first time i had gotten airbnb i think in my adult life um and jerry i think jerry had arranged it we got this little this pretty sweet little airbnb packed it f- full of magic players um and just like i just had such a good time at that event and and like columbus was actually a pretty great like little city to hang out in for a couple days too so um uh it was it was just a ton of fun i just have a lot of good memories from from gp columbus um Again, like I did fairly well in the main event, but that really wasn't why I was there. Um, I don't think I day twoed that, but I, I like I, I was fine for like being a fairly new player. Um, and the tournament uh, center was pretty decent. What's that? The tournament center was like decent enough. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was fine. It wasn't. I, I think there had been. Yeah, it was just a. I'm trying to remember, it was in downtown Columbus. It was like it was fine. We had I had no issues with the tournament center. Uh, there was good food in the area. Um, I think we were walking distance actually from from the place. If not, I think it actually might have been a short Uber ride, but it was great. It was like the first time I had really been out without my kids, just me and some friends. So that was also a pretty cool experience. Um, and uh, got to got to hang out with Joe Gardner, who was a guy who I liked from the Extra Turns podcast. A lot of my friends that I ended up meeting were guys who I, I admired from podcasts. And Joe Gardner was like, <clears throat> I don't you, you I know you remember Joe Jerry, just a super genuine guy. Um, and, uh, I don't think he's playing magic anymore. I know he has, has two really adorable kids, um, doing the dad thing, but Joe was like just a super solid guy and had a good time hanging out with him and watching Jerry just spend a ton of money buying some, uh, yeah, my FBB duels collection has to do with Joe would just like heckle me into buying FBB duels every time we went to a tournament (laughs) (laughs) to the point that like, uh, vendors would start to recognize us and they would know when Joe and I were in the same room together, they were about to make some money. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, smell it on you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Columbus, Columbus was fun, but I also have to mention GP in Niagara. Um, where, like, and I gotta say, like, I've been, to, I did the Vegas of GP, I've done Niagara, I've did Columbus, um, but and, and, and I would say Columbus and, and Niagara are my two, my two favorites, and it, it wasn't even so much about exploring the city; it was really about because Niagara is we a shitty there. city. <laughs> <laughs> It was, I mean, yeah, it wasn't like the food. That's actually some decent food. We were on the US side. The US side of Niagara is just like. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bummer. But, but, but the people we were there with just made it, man. They just made it. We had such a huge house in Niagara. We had like nine or 10 people Mm -hmm. stay in the house with us. We rented this, like, basically this Mm -hmm. mansion in Niagara for peanuts because, once again, no one wants Mm -hmm. to go to Niagara on the the US border side. I think it was in in April too, so it was like kind of like misty all the time and like a little rainy and on yeah. top oh, yeah, of that Easter weekend us, too. Yeah, that's right, yeah, exactly. Easter we got weekend. That, we got yep. that mansion for peanuts. Um, we had like ten people there, but I thought it, I think it slept sixteen. Like there, so like yes, like sixteen individual beds, not like sleeping doubles, like individual beds. It was awesome. Yeah, so we had we had we had ten people and we all got our own yeah. rooms. Wow, like that's how big this house it was. was. Awesome. It was awesome. So it was just a it was a sick house full of sick people. Um, you know, all of our friends were there, and yeah, that Niagara I think was definitely one of the best experiences yeah. as far yeah. as hanging out. Columbus with was my first trip away, but Niagara I think was my favorite, and and I mean there's a lot of reasons for that, but. 
um, yeah, very, very memorable for sure. For me, I would either have to say on the U.S. side, either Niagara or Seattle. Seattle was also a great time. I think Seattle, like Niagara was definitely the best people. Seattle was just a way cooler city than Niagara. Sorry, Niagara. I'm just shitting on you. <laughs> um, but I think what takes a cake for me, which sucks because it wasn't for Legacy. So as far as locations was Barcelona. Yeah. So when I went on definitely. Pro Tour Barcelona, it's hard to beat a free trip to Europe. So, But I would say I had more fun at gp niagara than i did at pro tour niagara all right at uh, pro tour barcelona like i def there was definitely like more friends and you know hanging out in gp niagara but it's real hard to beat a free trip to europe <laughs> did you um th- did you know like any people going with you to barca uh two of my good high school friends who are actually the people so uh mike and dan uh were two of my close friends since middle school they're actually the ones who taught me how to play magic um they came with me to barcelona they weren't playing in the pro tour or anything they were just like oh you're going to barcelona we'll go with you <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad they came if they didn't come with me like i probably wouldn't have enjoyed barcelona at all well not at all but like them being there was definitely a huge benefit to me actually enjoying myself at in barcelona because otherwise I, I knew like like maybe two people in the entire pro tour and you did enough uh sightseeing through the city hopefully Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, as I'll jokingly say, but it's 100 percent true. I rare drafted the draft portion of the pro tour because I'm just like, listen, I'm in I'm in Europe. I'm going to go sightseeing. I'm not really here to play magic. And that paid for you. The plane ticket home. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I opened I opened a Renin six. So that was uh, and this was like when Renin six was like just printed. I think I I sold it to a vendor for eighty dollars cash. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was a good time, and then I just immediately went sightseeing as soon as I lost to LSV in the draft portion of the Pro Tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. I did beat uh, what's his name uh, in the constructed portion. I beat Yu uh, Yu Watanabe, um, so I was able to uh, beat him in uh, the constructed side of the Pro Tour. So I can say my my. Claim to fame has taken down a, uh, a one of the top ranked uh, Magic players in uh, <laughs> in the Pro Tour. Great. I think there's a little bit of more claim to fame beyond that uh, event because you had a little bit of internet chatter about your deck choice for that particular <laughs> tournament, didn't you? Yes, Quest for the Holy Relic is what I sleeved up, and yeah, I guess it made it onto the coverage. Um, it, I was actually I was expecting to do well in the draft portion because it was. Uh, I think it was what Modern Masters was a draft portion, which was a Horizons. Modern Horizons. Modern Horizons. Which was a format that I actually drafted a lot, but I just ended up opening just terrible packs in the draft mm. portion. Um and I expected to just completely scrub out of the sea the uh, uh constructed portion, but I actually ended up doing really well in the constructed portion and just sucking in the uh the limited portion of the event. <laughs> Oof. But yeah, it was a good time. Definitely up there for favorite magic events. Excellent. All right, so another sort of hallmark of the magic trip is finding the best places to eat. I definitely know that in my friend group, that's definitely the thing that we sort of like seek and destroy mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Do you guys have like a favorite restaurant that you um, that you ever like sort of went to uh, off the suggestion of a friend or just something you found randomly as you were walking around when, the streets? When we were, was it Columbus, Jerry, where we hung out with uh, was it Aaron Campbell and? Uh... And Ruben Bressler was that where we had the the yeah that was in Columbus yeah. and we went to the Bra- the Brazilian uh, the Brazilian steakhouse there 
Yeah, Brazilian Steakhouse, and just more and more people kept showing yep. up. So I think by the end of the night, we had a party of like 16 or 17 yep. in this Brazilian Steakhouse. That was a good time. They just, they just kept having to push tables together <laughs> to the point where like we had formed a barricade across the entire restaurant yep. of our tables being pushed together. That was a, that was a lot of fun. That was a memorable <laughs> evening. Um, there was also a, the first Brazilian Steakhouse I ever went to was in Worcester. And I the name escapes me, um, but it's right, it's right on Shrewsbury Street. And we, do you remember going there, Jerry? It was it was us and Adrian and uh, Jim Nodredge was there. Oh yeah, uh, I think I think Ian was there too. And we made the yeah. Do you remember the recording we made for the for the podcast? Yep. And I was pissed because so it was a Brazilian steakhouse, and as people know, a Brazilian steakhouse they come around with like a rack of meat, and then the waiter like cuts off portions of mm-hmm. the meat onto your plate. Mm. But our party was so big, and I was sitting at the end of the table oh, yes. that for like. <laughs> Four. <laughs> about this. For like 45 minutes, we're sitting there and they would always start on the same side of the table. And by the time they got to me, they were gone. out of meat. So, so like for the first like 45 minutes, I literally had a hard boiled egg that I got from the salad bar and like some French fries. And that was all. And Adrian was sitting directly opposite from me at the other side of the table. Oh. And he's just cracking oh. up because the servers just keep coming to him first. And I just don't get any. That food. was like one of those times where every time it happened, the, the humor. <laughs> You know, sometimes when you repeat a, a gag, it gets funnier and funnier as you do it. And, but like at some point, there's a part where it's not funny anymore. It was never not funny when this happened. It was funny. No, it never every stops. Single time. There was no comedic rule of three here. It could have been 47 times. And Jerry was just getting more and more angry. Like he was taking food off other people's plates. Oh, man. It was. Oh, I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that, Jerry. That's one of those times where you're laughing so hard, like your cheeks hurt from smiling. Oh, it was just. Oh, that was such a good time. The food, the food <laughs> itself was like very like middle of the road, if, if, like even like below. But the um, the experience there was just <laughs> it was. I guess it was the inadequate service is what made it really. But uh, man, it was it was just too good. And we made a great recording there of um, a bunch of the people who were with us. It was it was for an SCG, um, a legacy open, and a bunch of people were with us. We just did a. Adrian had everyone record into like a phone, like, hey, this is whatever, whatever you're listening to leaving a legacy. And we literally passed the phone yes, around. The and table there was one Jim not dredge who was like one of the, one of the cool guys in the area who I, I don't think I ever got to play against him, but just a, a buddy of Adrian's and just like just a really funny dude. I I think Justin's going to have to dig this up because it's it's, it's it used to be used for the old intro, but he had just this great uh, like something about meat in his mouth and it was just it was just so it was so off color and so funny and he immediately tried to retract it but it didn't matter because it had already been recorded and you just hear everyone at the table just dying laughing that was uh that was like the total that was the vibe of that so that, that actually might have been my favorite place to eat just because of the atmosphere it had nothing to do with the actual food i think one of my favorite restaurants that we came across in magic was i think this was at gp niagara was where was it the waffle house the place where everything was a waffle. I okay. This sounds a lot better than the Waffle House. This is where I thought this was going. <laughs> no, I, I think we ran into you, Connor. Like we were sitting there eating, and then like you guys walked into the same restaurant. Oh no, this was um, this wasn't GP Niagara. This was SCG Syracuse. Oh yes, SCG. Okay, yes, because I wasn't there for that. Yes. Yeah. Oh oh man, that place was amazing. But basically, the entire place. So they their entire menu is waffles, and it's. It's a split like waffle restaurant 
and Soul Funk Fusion Bar. <laughs> Ooh, that was a that was a great night. I had some of the best chicken and waffles of my life, and also got to like hang out with you and you guys and like Tom and a uh, handful of other people who were there. And that, that was just a great way to show up on a Friday night after we've been driving for like four hours. Yeah, good, good way to sort of de-stress from the car ride. So, and when I say everything's a waffle, what I I don't mean that like everything's made out of waffles. It's that they just take all their food and put it in a waffle iron and press it into oh, the shape of a waffle. That's interesting. <laughs> so like. I th- I had the Thanksgiving meal, which was stuffing put into a waffle iron, pressed into a waffle, and then like turkey piled on top of it with mashed potatoes and gravy, and that was amazing. And then I had a brownie sundae where the brownie was the brownie was poured into the <laughs> waffle iron. Like this this place was great, but yeah, everything was in the shape of waffles. Uh, you know what? One other place that comes to mind, and like so this this is running a a theme that I'm thinking about now. Was the the? Do you remember when we were at uh this? Was this this might have been Niagara maybe? Oh, now I can't remember where it was. But it was the hotel. It was like the oh, it might have been what was it Vegas? Oh, now I can't remember. But Jerry, where where where? <laughs> we went in with Rich Shane. He kept calling us wizards. Oh, this was Ni- this was Niagara. Okay, this okay, was yeah, because was- we went to the casino. We went yes, to the casino while you can eat buffet yes. in and Niagara. Again, the food, the food, <laughs> subpar, like subpar. The food sucks. But- it's like it was a casino buffet. Yes. It was a casino buffet but, in Niagara. But it was terrible. <laughs> I again, it was just one of those experiences where you are laughing so hard because I'm begging, I'm begging Rich Shea to stop calling us wizards and saying he's looking for your, <laughs> I'm looking for my wizard friends. We're here for a wizard convention. I'm like, Rich, please stop saying that, dude. Please like, stop. And he like, like he asked for the manager. It's like, can I, and he like, the manager comes over and it's like, we're looking for our wizard yes. friends. We're here for a very yes. important wizard yes, convention. Like, please stop. <laughs> he's, he's, like, please stop, Rich. This man is drunk. We're gonna throw. He's gonna get thrown <laughs> out. Like I'm already, I'm already seated, and I'm like watching this go down, and I am not helping at all because I am laughing way too hard at Rich trying to find. Rich the is bar. sitting at my table. Like we, we, we like paired off or whatever. We like grouped off. Jerry was in one group. I'm in the second group, and Rich is like, we need to sit next to our other wizard friends. And I, I just remember being like slightly mortified, but also. So 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 amused and uh man like i what's well, going to judge you like i'm 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 sitting a good like probably 30 feet away and I, over the din of an all you can eat buffet as i'm sure our listeners know all you can eat buffets get pretty loud and all i just hear is rich shay's voice going we need to find our wizard uh, friends it was so funny it was so funny yeah so that that's so yeah my favorite places to eat are generally not guided by the because i'm a big foodie i love going out to eat um but when i'm traveling with magic people i find that generally like they're not super into the food it's so i just embrace that and for me it's about the experience uh of being there with the people and like that yeah for sure those are those are some of my favorite memories of eating uh out when we're traveling on the road absolutely all right so um moving on a little bit um so I'll have to exclude you guys talking about yourselves for this um, question, but um, who would you say is the best travel companion that you've been on for a uh, magic trip? And this could be like who who who's like the best prepared for travel, who kept your group afloat as you guys were floundering, <laughs> and all and all of that. Any any, any ideas? Please just pop off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I have one that immediately immediately comes to mind is Ian McCune from uh from the Dead yeah. Format. He is like so Ian Ian is great to travel with for a few reasons. He is very uh he's very much about the enjoying enjoying stuff while you're there kind of lifestyle. Uh, he'll he'll drink with you afterwards, which is always a ton of fun. Ian's just a he's a he's a 
I don't want to call him crazy because that's not the vibe that he gives off. But he's just like he's down for whatever. Like that's just the way Ian is, and, and so that's really he's a yes, yes man. Totally, totally. He likes to amp it up. Um, but and he'll get a little crazy, like trying to wrestle me in Niagara in front of the police station. Like it's not a good idea, <laughs> Ian. It's two in the morning. Like let's Whoa. not do this. Um, but uh, but also he's just Ian is just he is so funny. We were coming home from Niagara, and we're all. Just, you know, a little burnt out. We had a great weekend. We're driving home. We're all trying to follow, obviously, like, spoiler, Jerry, top eight of the GP. So we're trying to follow that. But also at the same time, Ian's showing me clips from this show called Hot Ones, which I had never heard of before. And, and so we're <gasps> watching one. Hot Ones. And then we're talking about, uh, what the hell is his name? Theo Vaughn. And then we're just both going off in these Theo Vaughn riffs. And we, like... Man, it was and Chris D'Elia, and we were just having such a we were just howling, howling with laughter on the way home. So, uh, yeah, Ian is I think my favorite guy to travel with because he's just he's just a, a ton of fun, uh, good like very good magic player, but is all about the people. Like it's not for him; it's less about the cards. Like, he's very competitive. Don't get me wrong, but he's he has kind of like my mentality, or I have his, his mentality maybe. <laughs> Is it's about the people you're hanging out with, and he's more about he he cultivates that experience better than better than anyone I know. I, I would also say Ian, one of my so Ian and I were travel buddies for uh, GP Seattle, and I do not fly well. Like I am a terrible flyer. Basically, I'm like Mr. T in the A team. The only time I get on a plane <laughs> is when I'm like drunk or have been sedated. <laughs> so I'm a terrible flyer, and uh, we're we're going to Seattle, and we just hit terrible terrible turbulence on the way to seattle to the point where like i am white knuckles <laughs> gripping the headrest in front of me and ian is just like snoring next to me <laughs> <laughs> just so angry with him <laughs> for not being there <laughs> but yeah i would definitely say ian ian's definitely towards the top of my list uh dominic monfrey's another one great guy um just uh, there's there's the sort of like moms of the group that like make sure you drink your water, make sure you have your bag, like the people who that just sounds like, like Zach to me. Yeah, like just the people <laughs> exactly who, I'm a mom of the group. Yeah, the people who just like take care take care of you. Uh, so Dominic's definitely a person like that. Dominic's mm-hmm. awesome, love him. Um, and then also I would say my friend Mike. Let me just tell you, it is very very important for you to have a burn player in your group when you go to tournaments because without fail, uh, Mike was the one. Who I my records at tournaments have are definitely higher than they would be without Mike because as a burn player, like he would always scope out where the food court is, <laughs> you know, go go get a bunch of like uh of uh like dollar uh like McChickens off the dollar menu and bring it back when you know you're playing a control matchup and you don't even have time for a bathroom break, let alone a lunch break, and it's like round six of the tournament and you're dying. <laughs> so. Uh, definitely got to give props to my friend Mike for being the burn player of the group and making sure, like, just basically getting us supplies when we're too too deep into the rounds to do it ourselves. There you go. You always got to have that that entourage that uh that that I'll sort of like support you on the side as you as you're doing that. But says the sneak and show player though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sneak and show goes fairly long. You'd be surprised. Well, yeah, I'm also a sneak and show player, so uh, yeah, I, mean, we, I, I, we, get, I get made fun of for the same reason. <laughs> we we go into the tank a lot, you know, a lot of difficult decisions. So we just got to go in the tank, and that eats up the clock, right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So you guys talked a little bit about sort of like some crazy happenstances that were happening. Like I heard like uh, wrestling in front of like the police precinct. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I don't know. You, you guys got any other sort of like? Um, 
off the wall like happen- happenings that happened during like magic trips because um you get you get enough of, of like magic players together some crazy stuff is bound to happen like so, like anything, anything? Uh, I, I, there was one time so uh again this is with our friend ian he, i had like i was playing a couple side events after niagara because i had scrubbed out early on day on the first day so i was playing some side events i wanted to win a box of dominaria just to bring home and just to throw on my shelf because it was a cool set i hadn't played it yet hadn't drafted it yet want to just have have a box of it and so i was like i don't remember even what the, how many monopoly monies i was short for this item but like i'm like ian ian had some extras and like I had borrowed a bitter blossom from him earlier in the, in the in the week to play for the tournament, and there was some the the exchange between us was like, "Hey, uh, like you know, basically like let me give you some cash or whatever for your tickets, and and I'll cover for the bitter blossom." And he he can probably tell the story better than I can remember, but I just remember <laughs> there was a point where uh, we exchanged something, and uh, I bought tickets from someone else, but I still owed Ian money. For the, I think for the bitter blossom, I got my box right, and Ian's like, Ian's like, all right, um, he's like, all right, do you want to get basically, do you want to give me money for you know, do you, all right, so you owe me like whatever? I'm like, oh no, I don't need your tickets anymore. I already got my box. He's like, no, no, no but you still have my cards that you wanted to keep. So I, I he's, he, I might have to have him come on and and put this in for us because I can't do it justice. But I, it was again one of those things. I was just fucking laughing so hard. I know I've talked about it before, but. Uh, that was just one of those times where like it was just such a, a ridiculous thing where I had lost track of who owed what and it just in my mind I couldn't figure it out and Ian was just sitting there like watching me trying to like do the calculus on how this how this this three way <laughs> trade worked out and uh, and it was like it was like embarrassing too because I'm like I hope he doesn't think I'm trying to rip him off of like thirty dollars because it's like irrelevant in, in, in amount of money but uh, yeah that was uh, that was great I, I'll have to have Ian come on and 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 we'll have to clip it in here he can he can do the story justice for sure um I would say. So, uh, Jupiter Games was this New York shop back in the day that used to have uh, 40 land dual land tournaments. And it was, you know, the, the event that we would look forward to. Um, and I really uh, was really looking forward to this trip. I was going with Josh Sissio, who I mentioned earlier in the cast, and a couple other buddies. And I was meeting them down there. And that was the day. So I, I grew up in Watertown, Massachusetts, which if anyone's ever heard of Watertown, it's because... That's the town where they caught the Boston Marathon bombers in. Yep. Which was on the day of the Jupiter Games tournament. Oh, wow. So I'm supposed to start driving to New York for this tournament, and my town is completely locked down and barricaded because they're having a massive manhunt for the Boston Marathon bombers. And everyone's stuck in their in their uh uh, in their homes, no one's allowed out while they're basically going door to door looking for these marathon bombers. And I was able to talk to the police and get a police escort out of town <laughs> <laughs> to go to go to this tournament. And I meet Josh Sissio and, and the other guys down there at this. I think it was like a TGI Fridays or like it was like some chain restaurant or whatever. And I and I get there and like, oh, thank God you made it. And we're sit down and uh, we're talking to the waitress and Josh just goes, oh, you know him? He's famous because I just came from Watertown. She goes, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, he's the guy on the news. And he points to the TV that is showing that is showing the news coverage of the manhunt. (laughs) So she just goes pure white. I look nothing like the person (laughs) they're looking for, but she doesn't know that. (laughs) She's on. So Uh, what, what, what? I, who needs with friends like these? Who needs enemies? You know. So I almost got a mistaken identity for uh, a terrorist manhunt. 
that's that's the story that always comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Exactly. Got to keep friends around like that, you know? Right. Nice. All right, so why don't we move on a little bit to sort of talking about legacy itself from in, in like the modern day or a little bit in the past as well. Um, sort of like moving on a little form from the origins of magic to uh, just sort of like your own like sort of personal history through the format. Uh, do you get, do either of you have uh, a favorite time of the format that you played? Like a, a f- for favorite era, if you know what I mean. The six months after Deathrite Shaman was banned, before uh, Modern Horizons <laughs> was printed. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I was going to say, yeah, that was actually, I was going to say just before Red and Six got printed. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say that was probably like the golden the golden yeah. years of, of Legacy. Like, I think that was probably one of the best Legacy formats that's ever existed. I also liked, uh, for as much as I disliked playing against Miracles, like when I first came in and was playing, um, you know, uh, it was like mi- Miracles and Show and Tell and Storm and... Well, again, a lot of miracles, but like there was still a good good diversity then. Uh, was was that meta game like back in twenty? I guess it was twenty fourteen. Um, that was pretty fun. I, when when treasure when when dig through time was still available. I, I liked playing with dig through time. I thought it was a fun card. Um, but yeah, I would say my favorite was probably right up until Ren and Six was printed. But um, I'm hopeful for the future. I think that they're being a little more aggressive with their bands, and I am hoping that the the most the M twenty one doesn't. Send the format into another tailspin. Uh, hope they get things cleaned up. So I am. I would say that yeah, I, I'm with Jerry uh, up until Renaissance Six was printed, but I'm hopeful for the future. We'll put it that way. I got you. Yeah, um, with the the cycle in and cycle out of like the play design team. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they uh they they yeah, got the exactly. message exactly. I would also say probably another great time was uh, like 2014, um, like right before and right after Innistrad. Um, I think that was kind of a really great time. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about Innistrad, but um, that was when I was coming back into Legacy, and I just thought that meta was awesome. Like, we got so many new toys of uh, Snapcaster Mage, Delver oh, of Secrets. Oh, so that's, that's like 20. Yeah, oh, 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 geez. No, no, no. So that's like 2012 yeah, like, then, maybe? Yeah, like that, that I would say was an amazing time mm-hmm. to be playing Legacy. Um, you know, we got this influx of really powerful cards, um, you know, things like team America were the top decks. Um, it was, you just had all of these like classic legacy decks that were really popular. Like you could still, you could still show up to a tournament and you wouldn't be surprised to see Merfolk versus goblins, uh, you know, in the final tables. Like that would, that would be something kind of normal. So like that was just a really great time to be playing legacy. And that format's sort of coming back around now in that we have a little bit of uh, popularity in, like, the pre-Innistrad legacy sort of, um, like, Discord group, and they're running, like, events, um, like, every so often. I was hanging out with uh, Anthony LeVaird while he was uh, playing a, a small event with Tess in that. And um, with that being kind of right when I jumped into mag- Magic as a whole, I don't really have a sense of, uh, like, no, not scale, but um, I don't have, like, a sense of how Magic was sort of pre-Innistrad because that's when I started playing. So, so sort of seeing, like, all of those things that uh, Jerry had said, like, all these um, <clears throat> all, all these decks that, like, you could make with all these cards that came before mm-hmm. Innistrad. It seems, like, very interesting. A lot of, um, a lot of sort mm-hmm. of space in which you can play, e- even back then, even before all the, the powerhouse cards of that could, could Innistrad has, has said to be, like, the, um, the Modern Horizons of its mm-hmm. day. I I, didn't, I never really considered that, but that's yeah. I mean, Grizzle, 
That's probably that. That may be way off base, but yeah, you got like um, that, yeah, that I mean, whole block. Grizzlebrand Snapcaster definitely, yeah, definitely was a big part of the format. Like Liliana oh, of yeah. the Veil, Delver yep. of Secrets, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point, Jared. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, because has Del- has anything redefined legacy like Delver of Secrets? No, I would definitely say like uh, Delver of Secrets is the uh, the the line in the sands, the AD versus BC of mm. you know. Before Delver, after Delver. <laughs> mm. um, I would definitely say the two main epochs of, of Legacy are is Innistrad being printed. Interesting. And it's funny because like a lot of those most powerful cards back then, like Liliana the Veil, just doesn't see play anymore. Right, which is kind of wild, right? Mm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even some of like the... the... The, the decks that would like would play other like Liliana's like mm-hmm. Liliana Last Hope like stuff like that it just like mm-hmm. dried up overnight mm-hmm. and that that style of legacy is just sort of out the window. All right, so um, we 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 know Pat, you're the blue red Delver player, and we know that Jerry is like the sneak and show player. Um, and, but but you but you guys sort of um, dabble in other archetypes to, just for like mm-hmm. en- entertainment and and all and just like per- personal interest. Um, do other archetypes other than the ones that you sort of are known for right now appeal to you? Do you want to like actively like learn all, any other archetypes? I would love to. I, so Storm is a deck that I've always would would have. I think I'd enjoy playing. Um, uh, but uh, I don't own LEDs in paper. And I don't think I'd want to buy them just to have Storm because I don't think I'd be interested in playing Dredge. But Storm is a deck that I would probably pick up online and play. Uh, I think there's so much to learn in that deck, and it's so outside my comfort zone. That's one that um, always interests me. And like Eldrazi Aggro is a deck that I've had built, and I sold most of the, pe- the expensive pieces off, but still have like a lot of the cards that go to that. That's a, that's a deck that I really enjoy too. So either one of those decks, I think I'd be interested in playing. Even even now, you know, I think they both are a lot of fun. I've honestly, I've been fortunate in my Magic career that I've played pretty much every archetype in Magic. A a few years ago, my New Year's resolution was to actually play every viable deck in Legacy. Um, And I was able to do that that year for the most part. I definitely missed out on a few. But I would say there really aren't any items on my bucket list left to check off as far as Legacy decks to try out. Other than like new decks that get that come out, like that's mm. why I kind of latch on to these new spicy decks because I've kind of had the ability to play every deck that's already been out there. Yeah, we have all these like great tools these days, like Card Hoarder, like the rent a deck sort of functions for online that you could just go out and you could pick up the the Urza Narset um, like deck that had won the the most recent like online mm-hmm. legacy event and just like try that because it did it did really well at this one tournament. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I would say there's probably there's nothing really left for me to try out. Um, so that's I. But I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's like trying every every flavor at the forty flavors of ice cream shop. You know, I've learned that cookie <laughs> dough is the best, so I'll keep having cookie dough. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> there you go. And that's the advice you want from your elders: just go straight for the cookie yes. dough. <laughs> don't bother with everything else. Like, don't be worldly about it. Just go, go for, the, for and what's good. By the way, in case anyone wasn't clear, cookie dough is show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> because it's A plus B. Exactly. <laughs> Cookies exactly. plus dough. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So, sort of getting on to your like sort of personal signature when it comes to building a deck. Um, a lot of people like have things that they like. They like foils. They don't like foils. They like signatures on cards. So I want I want to start off with a simple one and just sort of expand it. 
what is your ideal basic land art, and what do you like about it? Jerry, you want to start with this one? Um, from like a just a pure art perspective, or like the entire aesthetic of the card? Because I've like what what you 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 put a basic land in your deck, and it is like the one that you love. Why do you love it? Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna have two answers then. <laughs> she didn't answer my question, God. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So my favorite art is the Mirage Island. Um, I forget who the artist is, but I just think it's the most beautiful island art of all time. And it's just like this. It's it, it's the perspective is from on the water. Like usually when you when you think of island arts, it's usually from like up in the air and it's an aerial view of the island. Mm -hmm. This is like on the water and it's a sunset going down behind the islands, and I just think it's like one of the most beautiful island arts ever made. Mm. I'm looking at it right now, and it is very, very like reminiscent of uh, like Greece or like something, or something like with this like beautiful sort of uh, like rocky like islands. Is it going as you're going up and down yeah, the coast? Yeah, so that that Mirage Island I think is just the most beautiful art. If I was just like if I was going to hang an island artwork up on my wall, um, you know that would that would be one of the ones. My favorite, like, island overall for aesthetic purposes is probably the uh, unhinged lands. I just think the unhinged lands. And it's kind of sad. We have, we've had so many great different basic lands over the years that a lot of the really great ones get pushed down. Like, I also love the, uh, the invasion lands. I just mm. love, love the look of the invasion lands because that was when I first started playing Magic. You know, that, those were the lands I was taking out of the basic land drop uh, boxes at drafts. So, like, those those lands will always have a special place in my heart. But uh, for the longest time, I had the, uh, the unhinged uh, basic uh, lands for my deck. And I ended up uh, upgrading them to the full borderless uh, foil uh, what was the most recent unglued? Unglued, unhinged, un, un, un unstable. Yeah. I think is the one you're. So now of. I have the foil unstable lands as my basic lands, just because I really like that that borderless. But like just pure aesthetics, mm. I, I would think the I, I think the unhinged is is my favorites. Yeah, you got to go with those. Those are very, yeah, very the, iconic. The Avon ones, like those. I actually had the mm -hmm. uh, the prints, the the set of five prints hanging on my wall for the longest time until. Unfortunately, they got ruined in some uh, some flood damage. Yikes! So, so my favorite is the um. Uh, so I'll show you. Actually, show you on camera. I pulled it out of my deck, so that's probably what you heard me rumbling around for. Mm. But it's it's this beta basic island. So when I first started playing uh, Magic, uh, especially like playing standard, I I really liked the Zendikar basics because they were full arts. I had never seen full arts before. And so I really dug those. But then as my, my taste became a little more little more refined, I went with the unhinged basics that Jerry likes. I had those islands for a while in my Blue Red Delver deck. And then um, up at Niagara, uh, I bought these basics, these beta basics. They're the Mark Pool, uh, the dark purple um, island with like the single dark cloud in the top corner. Not the one that has a bunch of clouds, the single dark cloud. I really like this uh, this basic um, I, it's the only, like really the only beta cards I own outside of one, uh, beta sinkhole. That was a gift from, uh, my co-host here. Um, uh, but so, yeah, so this was, uh, these are my favorite basics to play. Um, I really like them. I love the, uh, like the, the typography and the font, and the size of the text in the text box. I think it's really cool. I think the art is great. I love the old rounded corners like that. Um, yeah, so those, I'm a big fan of those, those basics. Uh, I also play the basic mountain from that, from beta as well. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I like those quite a bit. So I, my, my taste has, has changed a little over time for the basics, but that's my favorite. Nice. So when it comes to your whole deck, are you a um, has to be foreign language kind of guy? Has to have all signatures? What, what do you got in the deck box? So, so Jerry, take this one first because everyone knows what you like. But I want I want to I want to have I want to have proof of it right here. Wait, say say the question again. Oh, I'm I'm wondering like what does your deck look like? What do you strive oh. for it to look like? Like do you like Japan? Do you like um, alternate language, alternate art, foils, not foils, signatures, stuff the like that? I go for the So. <laughs> For anyone who's seen my Sneak and Show deck, they're like, oh, it's beautiful until they take a closer look at it. And they realize that my my Sneak and Show deck is completely foiled out, except I purposely chose uh, promo foils, which historically many, many people hate because <laughs> like the promo foiling and just like so I, I my entire Sneak and Show deck where possible is promo foiled. So I have the. FNM brainstorms. I have the masterpiece omniscience. I have the GP promo grizzle brands. So I I went for the the maximum salt uh, to just get the uh, the promo foils, which are like the quote unquote cheapo foils. <laughs> mm. uh, don't worry, Jerry. I'm in your exact same boat because uh, my friends will make fun of me for that. So I'm very much like on the whale <laughs> end of, <laughs> of of all this. Like I'm over here like. Stroking my invocation <laughs> force of wills, and I'm like, ha ha, I got the Heisman ones. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I would say probably ideal. I do, I really love Germans, uh, German car foils. So, if I could, I would go for either like German or Russian foil, but I have stuck to English just because I don't want to ap- absolutely murder my bank account. <laughs> but I, I would feel if, if I could, if like money was of no object and I could do whatever I would want, I would want a Russian or German foil. Uh, yeah. So for, for me, um, I started off when I first started playing legacy because I was on a super tight budget, everything was beat to shit. Like, uh, whatever the cheapest version of the card is, it doesn't matter what the art is. Whatever the cheapest version is, is what I liked, is what I wanted, uh, I should say. And then once I finished building Blue Red Delver, and I'm like, well, I don't really have anything else to spend my money on. I've already bought in and out of a couple legacy decks. Jerry keeps yelling at me for that, so I'm going to stop doing that. So I started upgrading Blue Red Delver piece by piece with uh, with Japanese uh, language cards. Still non-foil, because I'm not, I'm not a fan of foils. I don't like uh, buying cards that, that try to basically warp themselves over time and are, are just a nightmare to deal with sometimes. So... Um, so I'm not a fan of foils, but I wanted to, to make my deck a little bit more unique to me. Um, and I chose Japanese only because I, th- I just thought it looked cool. I don't have, I have no association with the culture. Like I don't, I'm not like super into like anime or anything like that. Or like, I don't, I don't really know, know much outside of like taking some history courses in China and Japan history in college. Um, but I just like the look of the cards. I like the look of, uh, of it being a foreign language. And so I started up- upgrading all my stuff to, to Japanese. Um, I try to go with original printings if i can if it, if it's economically feasible like i just upgraded my polluted deltas to the onslaught ones in japanese from the uh from the japanese and um in the cons uh set um so i really like that upgrade um and i think eventually i'm gonna have my like force of wills um altered to be japanese as a great uh Guy who does alters, Scur- Scourge alters. A friend of mine, uh, Roland, I, well, Jerry's too. Roland Chang uh, recommended him. He does some amazing, like English to Japanese um, uh, alters for for cards. So, I think eventually I'll have some Force of Wills altered. So I'll have Japanese Force of Wills in my deck. But I think 
I think just about everything else that's in there is Japanese, except for like maybe like some brazen borrowers, which I haven't gotten my hands on Japanese copies just with, you know, the whole world kind of coming to a standstill the last few months. So um, those will come eventually. And uh, but yeah, so I like to make it Japanese if I can. And uh, that's been a lot of fun to collect that way. Nice. Yeah, it's a it's good like long process to totally. pimp the deck out totally. as you want of it. And then when you when you get to the end, you're like, huh, hey, I, I now can uh, sort of show this off at like FNM or like the exactly, next yeah. So, and I was actually talking to someone. I'm like, well, I guess when I finished making all Japanese, maybe I'll start sending them out for signatures. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Nice. All right. So, the last topic of the night that I have for you, gentlemen, to discuss is marquee event of uh, of yesteryear, the the Leaving a Legacy Open series. So, um, what what Leaving a Legacy Open number were we at? Uh, like last five or six, I think. I think I think the next one was six. Okay, we, yeah, that makes sense. We were actually talking to Michelle not too long ago about maybe doing something, trying to do a uh, Magic Online leaving a legacy open. Uh, she was going to talk to Wizards of the Coast to see if there was some way we could like organize a tournament through Magic Online. I think that I saw today on like Twitter that that question came up, and like there's some sort of like murky thing where like TOs really can't do stuff like through Magic Online, but they really want to like push to change that. But uh, otherwise, that that sounds like a great vector for um, playing yeah. like a big legacy tournament. Yep. Yeah, I hope we get them going back soon. But you know, who knows? We have to wait to see what the what you know how the state runs its stuff, and it's gonna be hard to get. 100 150 people in one room uh, any time in the next month or two. So um, we're just going to wait for us to see what the Massachusetts guidelines are. And we, we've, we've been in talks. We definitely want to get them going again because, I mean, Jerry, I, I can't speak for Jerry, but I know I really, for as much work as it is, it's a ton of fun and people really seem to enjoy them. So we would like to keep those going. Yeah, I just honestly, tr- like, tr- I really want to get them going again. I, I'm just not super hopeful that we'll have paper tournaments before the year is out. Like mm. I... Like, I honestly, unless there's some miracle vaccine around the corner, um, I just don't see uh, paper tournaments for any format uh, mm. taking place um, anytime soon until we get either an effective form of treatment or an uh, effective vaccine. Well, I, I know a lot of people have been uh, sort of working around that. Like, I play, like, web, webcam games legacy with my friends, mm. like, all the time. Like, from back, back home from Maine, we, we play, like, once a week or... Um, well, all my buddies in Massachusetts who I've like I'm in a group chat with, I had to turn someone down to play some some webcam legacy tonight to talk with you guys. So we're, it's definitely like we're we're, we're keeping yes. it yeah. alive and well. I'm not worried and about it, legacy it, at all. Like legacy still go is going strong. I was just playing uh, Paper Magic with Beiju not too long ago, uh, probably two or three days ago. I was playing some Paper Magic over webcam. It's just yeah, it's just you can't have a tournament over Paper Magic with any sort of stakes like. Mm. It's just too easy to cheat, and as soon as you put any real sort of surprise support into it, like, the temptation is just too great. And even if there isn't cheating, like, you'll always get that salty player who accuses their opponent of cheating, and then there's no way to prove it. Right. Exactly. But, uh, sort of getting back to the topic of, like, the, the opens themselves, I know, um, Pat had mentioned that it's, like, great to get 150 people together. That's definitely my sort of favorite part of uh, going to those opens, is getting... Everyone who is like in the Massachusetts area who plays Legacy, who I know, who I played with a ton, mm. into the same room, and then everyone from like out of state too, they're flying in to like come and pl- play this, or they're driving a long, long ways to come and play in this tournament that you guys are setting up. Did you guys have like any idea that um, you would get like the, the the amount of response that you did like for the these these tournaments? Uh, I didn't. I thought it was. I mean, of course, we hoped that we were going to be able to fire off a couple five Ks. That was. Really exciting the first time we, we got close to that number. Um, but I was I was going to be happy with... I mean, originally the thought was, Jerry, just like 
we wanted to kind of get into streaming paper events because we felt like there wasn't enough legacy being played in paper because SCG had kind of cut their support for for a lot of their coverage for legacy and uh and there wasn't there just wasn't a ton of paper like this was all pre-legacy pit this is you know pre those kind of efforts so you know pre-double dash and stuff like that so we're like well let's get paper legacy on camera and so we're like well we know michelle we know gave me etc the store is fantastic awesome facility great people there it's a big store so we knew it had room to grow and she was also very supportive and even bought uh you know some of the equipment for us so we could she's like hey whatever you need let me know and we, we just we just got it together for her and um and yeah so did i did it did i think it was going to grow to be as big as it is um no <laughs> you know what i mean but um i'm very humbled every time we have that kind of turnout it's uh it's very exciting for me yeah i, I mean i don't really have much to add to that that's that's exactly kind of what happened we just we wanted to do something for the legacy community we wanted to you know make sure paper magic stayed alive and well and just we're really fortunate that we have such a great crew of people who, you know, helped us make it happen. The biggest bummer about them is that we just don't get to play in them. I yeah, mean, honestly. Like, honestly, <laughs> I just want to play in them so bad. And, and I feel bad because, and I've said it a couple times, but I'll reiterate. I feel bad because Jerry and I, I mean, you know, we get a chance to walk around a little bit and say hi to people, especially since Zach has come and helped us be the third person of the booth, which has been a lifesaver. So shout out to uh, Zach Turgeon. Um, that's given us a lot of breathing room. Um, but we're just so busy and everyone wants to come and say, maybe not everyone, but lots of people want to come and say hi and, and, and talk to us. And I just wish I had like another arm or, you know, another body to like a doppelganger to be able to do that because uh, it just feels like we're just for time there. It's just stretched very thin. So um, that's the only bummer, really. That's the only downside about those tournaments is that I can't play in them and I can't hang out with all the cool people who come to them. So, um, but yeah, that's, it's been all, it's been great, honestly, a great experience. And you guys sort of like, we're naturally able to transition for going from like a podcast to uh, commentating over games. Like, I, I, is it was it any sort of of dif- different feeling between uh, the it two? It wasn't too bad. Like Jerry's definitely the the more experienced player between the two of us, and he's always grinding legacy, so he's much more familiar with the format and what's going on. And for me, it's uh, you know the nice thing that Jerry and I have between us is our is just our kind of like interpersonal dynamic, and so I think that. A lot of times will shine even if, if even if I can't add a lot of meaningful conversation to what's going on, um, which is which is another reason why it's great to have Zach because Zach is just like Jerry and 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 can really can really rattle off. I remember our first open Jerry that was we, we had a great showing for it and uh, we were on stream for a long time and by the end of it it was just him and I doing it straight out. And I was just loopy by the end of it. Just like that, that stamina to <laughs> talk about magic. Delirious. Yeah. Like for that long, I remember I was trying to say, I think it was a, a miracles pilot or it might've been like a, it might've been like a blue white stone blade pilot. And I was like, Oh, he can just go like snored, snap snords. Like I couldn't say swords. I kept saying <laughs> snords and, and, uh, and I just, I just lost it. I lost it on camera. I couldn't stop laughing because I could not say swords, snap swords. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's challenging because it's a lot easier. I mean, I've built up the the capacity to talk on a podcast for you know maybe two, maybe even three hours, but um, live streaming a ma- matches for 10, 12 hours <laughs> plus this. You know, plus you know, it's, Etsy is like my favorite store, but it's an hour for me, so I'm up early to get up there to set up and stuff, and then. You know, it's it's just it's a lot. Like you know, doing doing the tournament, and I'm not complaining about it. I'm just trying to like level with people. It's a lot of work, um, which makes the payoff that much sweeter. But uh, it's a lot. So by the end of the day, I am I am gassed. So it's uh, the transition is is 
for is not as easy. It's not that easy, but because I have Jerry there and because Zach was kind enough to really be our third guy in the booth, um, alternating out with us, giving us each break. Uh, it's been, it's been really great. There's also that, that photo of me at the Halloween leaving a legacy. <laughs> I'm just like passed it passed out just like in the chair. I was dressed as a teenage mutant Ninja turtle and I just had the shell. <laughs> he turned it over around. me. I turned the shell around and just used it as a blanket. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, we've also like done a lot of um, uh, fundraising with that, with those events. We've given a lot of money to the food pantry and I just want to shout out Michelle and all the people who come to the events and like donate to that stuff and bring food for donations. Uh, it's been really awesome. And Tom and Ian, Helped run the raffles both time, uh, every time, and they donate stuff out of their personal collection for stuff, and it's just been really fantastic. So, um, I just want to give them a quick shout out since we're on the topic of LALs. Yeah, everyone's super generous when it comes to like donating for a good cause. Yeah. Like I remember like wandering around the the food drop area after I've dropped some cans, and someone came in and is like, "I got fifty pounds of rice. <laughs> what do I do with it?" I'm like, "Damn." <laughs> Yep, They're not yep, messing that around. Is awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. We, we, I was actually talking to Ian and Tom not that long ago about uh, a few years ago. We did that big, that big drive, Jerry, where we had I don't we had like I don't know it was like two grand of stuff that we got to go to like Target and buy a bunch of like you know like cr- not cribs but like pack and plays and just all kinds of like supplies for like for basically growing families and donate that stuff and that was really rewarding. So um, yeah, the. the the legacy community is really, really generous, and uh, we couldn't couldn't do any of the stuff that we do without them. So it's been it's been great. Well, um, that's pretty much everything that I wanted to talk to you guys about. I guess as a sort of like a closing question to like the the spotlight on the Patrick and Jerry portion. Um, if you had to say um, one thing to the Leaving a Legacy um, community as a whole, um, what would you say, Jerry? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I would just say you know. Keep doing what you're doing, everyone. Um, you know, keep playing Magic, keep playing Legacy, keep talking about it. I know people complain and other people complain about other people complaining, and it can get tiring sometimes. But I mean, just remember, like at the heart of things, the Legacy community is really a force of good, and a lot of good comes from the Legacy community, and that might get forgotten in these times. But just keep doing it, and we'll we'll get back to a, a new normal soon enough. Yeah, and I would just like to say thank you. Um, you know, we've been going for almost 300 episodes now. I think I looked it up. My first episode was in was in May 31st of 2015. So it's actually been I've been on this podcast for over five years now, which is insane to me. Um, so I just want to say thank you because um, people have been really generous with us. They've given us the benefit of the doubt many times, and um, you know they've they've stuck with us and and made us made us you know popular for a legacy podcast i guess which is which is awesome i mean that's that was never the intent um but they've certainly you know elevated us to a point where i i, I mean i don't think i deserve to be in the spot where i'm at like i just happened to, to kind of luck into it you know i got i sucker jerry and, and adrian to let me come on for an episode and and then i just kept showing up and never really left and um and uh, yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. So I just wanted to say thank you to the people who are out there who listen, who are part of the Facebook group, even people who don't listen, but they're part of the Facebook group or they're part of like, you know, the legacy Twitter page. Um, it's just great to have so many awesome people who are passionate about the format, even if we don't always see eye to eye and everything like that's just kind of part of being a, a fan of something or being, a, you know, passionate about something is 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 having those differences of opinion. But um, I think in the end, like like Jerry said, it's legacy really is a force for good, and it's um, 
it's a great community to be a part of. And um, I'm really humbled to be, be able to do some of the stuff that we do and have the support that we have. And, um, and I hope that we, we do it justice, man. I hope that we, you know, are able, able to keep going. And if Jerry and I are slipping and we need uh, someone to, to dethrone us, let us know. And we'll, we'll have to step down. <laughs> I don't think there's many, many people out there looking to, to snipe your throne down, but you guys definitely do a good job as kind of like a, a stewards thank of like you. this community. Thank you. Great. Um, th- thank you for your time, gentlemen. That was a, that was a really good conversation. I hope you all learned something about um, these, these wonderful people tonight. <laughs> Th- thank you so much for, for coming on and putting in all the work. You, you know, he sent us all the questions. Uh, well, not all the questions, but I asked for some of the questions just so I would be able to prepare a little bit or at least mentally, like kind of get myself in the mindset. And, and Connor did his homework. And um, Connor, you've been always been just super kind to us. And you've just a, a very, very genuine guy. And I love seeing you at events. And, um, you know, you're, you're one of the people who I, I would call a friend to who I've met through playing this game. And, like, it, I'm very thankful for that. And so thank you very much for taking the time and coming on and doing this for us and uh, and being a part of, like, you know, the Leaving Legacy community, man. It's a, it's a huge uh, it's a huge honor for us to have you in, 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 among the ranks of our, of our people here. <laughs> Anytime. Hell yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Connor, like, if I want to turn it back on you, like, if people want to find you, um, are you? Do you do the Twitter thing? You do the Facebook thing? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at at g underscore lavamancer. Um, I mostly post um, like memes <laughs> about limited. I have the I have the occasional meme about like legacy, but I'm out there like, sort of like chatting about le- legacy every so often, like sharing a cool deck list that I found, and uh, mo- mostly looking for the next big miracles list because that's what I'm all about. <laughs> Got just love just love counterbalancing people. It's very on br- very on brand for you, Connor. That's awesome. Um, I know we've gone a little bit long, but I would like to get into some qu- quick scoops and poops, Jerry. Uh, who do you want to scoop in at top eight this week? Oh, this week I got to scoop Connor in for for being the <laughs> interviewer and turning it around on us. So yeah, that was interesting. On. I've never been in this seat before, so this has been a lot of fun. Any any poops? Um, no, I got no nice. poops. No poops. Nice. How about you, Connor? Do you want to scoop anyone in the topic this week? Sure thing. I'd love to scoop in my um, three good friends, uh, Nate Beaton, Will Godsey, and uh, John Orr. They've been with, for, with, with me and like my magic for the many many years now and they definitely sort of kept me emotionally afloat <laughs> uh, with, with a bunch of like legacy talk and all in our uh, Gropnaf chat like they know what that means um, I'd love to scoop in um, everyone I know from Maine like um, everyone in the legacy community modern community um, you, you all know who you are you are too countless for me to name right now but I love you all then finally I'd love to scoop in um, Eric and all the regulars at um, ELD's uh, Time Vault Games Miss you all. Would definitely love to, as, as soon as all this is over, to come visit you guys on Friday nights and play some more Legacy because uh, yeah. that was definitely great, a great time the past uh, year um, p- playing Legacy on Wednesday nights with you all. An- another great store, which I we didn't get to talk about, but yeah, ELD's Time Vault is uh, another great store. It puts out a lot of great YouTube content too, uh, Legacy matchups and stuff. So if you haven't checked that out, check him out. He does like uh, like fast forwarded matches and stuff, so it's 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 pretty great. Um, any poops? No poops. I'm not about negativity. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm going to scoop you into top eight, Connor. Again, um, I know I kind of gushed about you before in the show, but, um, you're, you're, you're a great guy. I'm really happy to know you. You've, uh, I've, I've come to you when we've needed some Photoshop magic done and you've been fantastic about it and you're just a real genuine guy. And I'm, I'm really glad to have you be part of our community. It's, it's great. So thank you very much for that. 
Thank you. And uh, yeah, I got I got no poops, man. I, I want to be all about the positivity this week. Um, it's been a ton of fun, Connor. Again, thank you. Um, let's see, uh, you know, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, it's at LALMTG. You can find Jerry at JME3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglow. The stream is twitch.tv slash living legacy. Uh, if you want to support the show directly on Patreon, it's Patreon patreon.com slash living legacy. Find us on Hipsters of the Coast. Uh, join the Facebook group, please. It's a great place for we aggregate a lot of legacy content there. Um, you can and, and you know, if you're making legacy content, please, please join the Facebook group. Put it out there for people to find. Um, I think it's a great spot for that. Um, you can also email us if you want. It's leaving a legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. And as always, shout out to Justin Lutz. He's our audio tech, our sound engineer. Uh, flipping the switches and twisting the knobs. We sound so good every week. Uh, really takes out all my, my, my high-pitched squeals that I make every, every other minute. So uh, really appreciate that from Justin. And a uh, fun fact about Justin, Jerry. You know, a few years ago, I was streaming on uh, Twitch, and I got double ashen ridered by a mono-red opponent on back-to-back turns when I was playing Show and & Tell. And I found out yesterday that it was Justin. So, Wow. Yeah. I'm not surprised, actually. Not yeah, surprised. Yeah. Just gave it to me. Gave it to me online. Unbelievable. I, I vote for Justin. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Is this a new bit that we're doing? Yeah, well, usually <laughs> Jerry has an over the top, an even more over the top fact for us, but I guess he's just given up at this point. <laughs> oh, well, I have a fun fact about Justin. Yes, I, heard that, uh, I, I heard that. I heard that he was the model for the card art for the new um, the almighty brushwag oh yeah that sounds about right wow wow what yeah. an honor yeah yeah i know the, to, to go look into the stare into the dead eyes of that cards <laughs> art and you know it's justin staring back at you awesome well connor again thank you so much for coming on this week man it was great to have you thanks so much for the questions that was a ton of fun uh definitely put us in a different uh perspective in the show so that was great um and thank you everyone thanks everyone for hanging out this week i know we ran a little long today but i think it was well worth it uh, I had a blast. It flew by. So uh, so thanks for hanging out, and we're going to catch you all next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, guys. You're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is John Kerman, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hi, this is PJ Butler, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is Kyle, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hey, this is Jim. This is leaving a legacy. Got a mouthful of meat. Um. Oh, wait. That's not what I meant. Don't put that on there. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one parents have been posted. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Leaving a Legacy. Jerry, me here. Uh... I do have a special guest on tonight. Maybe we'll have some other people joining us later on, but I think we have more.